Welcome to Mosaic this evening. Let's stand together. Good. 
Lord, would you help us to reflect attention back to you? God, we love you. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, good evening, Mosaic. It is good to be able to welcome you to gather and worship with us tonight. Hey, if you are here for the very first time, let me just say welcome. We've actually uh, had several people over the summer who've chosen to, uh, to come and visit with us for the first time. And if that is you, thank you. We're glad that you're here. And let me just say, just relax. Uh, we don't expect anything out of you other than just participate to whatever degree you feel comfortable. If you would like to connect with us and let us know that you're here, uh, there's a place you can connect there on the Get Connected uh, and uh, just let us know that you're here. We can talk to you about anything you want to know about the church and about Mosaic and, and how we can uh, be a blessing to you. And so just, again, it's just so good to be able to gather. We kind of turn this corner uh, at the end of summer. And uh, for those of you who have kids in school, you're kind of looking at that right here now, and hopefully you're here prepared for that. You've wrapped up your vacations um, can just things feel like they're moving along and, and moving into the new direction. And just say that uh, as we move forward, let's just keep our eyes focused on, on the things that are so important to us. We're in this series called Thy Kingdom Come. And it's a series where we're focusing on what would it be like and, and how can we be a part of the kingdom of God really fully manifesting itself in our lives and in our church and in our community, and in the world. And so we've talked about what, what is the mission of God as this kingdom moves forward? What is the mission of God? And we talked about how that it's God's mission is to rescue, redeem, and restore all that has been broken by sin, both you and me and this world. And we're going to be looking at that again tonight, but we've talked about what, what does that mean for us that God has been on that mission, and God will complete that mission. The promises we've seen is that God will bring it to pass. He will rescue, redeem, and restore. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, um, you know, we've actually got two places in relationship to that. Number one, we are the recipients of God's mission. God has come and done everything necessary to rescue, redeem, and restore every one of us in this room. We are the recipients of God's mission. But not only that, we are the participants in God's mission. God has not only come and done that for us, he's then put his arm around us and said, come and join me in the mission of bringing this message, this good news of what has happened to you to the rest of the world. And so as we come here tonight, we come here to celebrate being a recipient of the goodness and the grace of God. And we come to be challenged to be a participant in sharing that message, that good news of the grace of God to all the world, whether it's the world next door to me or the world on the other side. So here's what I want you to do with me tonight. Would you just bow your heads? And maybe you came here tonight really needing to be a recipient Sin has broken so much in your heart, in your mind, in your life, relationships. And you're just saying, God, I need, I need to be rescued. I need to be redeemed. And I need to be restored. Well, that's his mission. And he promises that's what he will do. So would you just voice that prayer right now to God? If that's where you are, God, I need to be a re recipient of your mission. And maybe you're here tonight because you need to hear God's challenge and call, his encouragement to those of you who are already on mission, and his call to those of us who maybe need to step out and, and engage the mission even stronger. So would you pray and just say, Lord, would you keep me on mission? Lord, help me to be a blessing. Help me to be one who brings rescue, redemption, and restoration to my world. So Lord, now as we bow in your presence, we bow with grateful hearts. Lord, we bow humbled by your goodness and yet lifted up by your strength that you have rescued us from what sin has broken in us. 
Lord, you have redeemed us from the bondage that we have, that we were walking in, in sin. And you set us free. And Lord, you are now restoring and one day will completely restore all that sin has stolen from us and has broken in this world. And Lord, we celebrate that tonight. Lord, I pray that as we receive your grace tonight, that we'll also be willing to go and be carriers of that grace to the world around us who just needs to hear the good news. May you be magnified in Jesus' name. Amen.
tonight. We stake all of our hope on it. Lord, you change lives. You don't leave us the same. And we are so grateful for that. always here. You were always with us. You were always leading. Would we follow? And would we watch chains fall? And can we see lives healed? Oh, we believe in your power, your ability to do it, and we believe that you will do it. What an honor to sing to a king this great. This close, this dear, how we love you. Hear our praises tonight. Amen. You can be seated. Good evening, Mosaic. My name's Will, and it's a joy to be able to worship with you tonight. You know, about 18 months ago, Sarah and I had an opportunity to sit down with a couple who had recently walked through a uh, We'll call it a tragedy. It ended up having a really good ending, but they were still sort of processing what they'd been through, where they had almost lost the life, or what it felt like it, of one of their children involved in an accident on some family land. And there was a moment where they weren't sure what was gonna happen. It was interesting to sit down with that family on the other side of this tragedy and just process that moment. And there was a key phrase that the husband, John Paul, shared with us that he felt like in the moment of that crisis that the Lord kind of spoke to him and gave him clarity on how to respond. In that moment where their son was injured and in need of going to the hospital and experiencing some emergency surgery and they weren't sure of the outcome, there was a moment where John Paul set his son down on a couch, held his wife and said, honey, in this moment, we're gonna make the next wise decision and the next wise decision, and the next wise decision, and we're gonna string all of those together, and we're gonna trust that everything is gonna work out. I remember processing that with this couple and thinking, what a powerful leadership lesson. That in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of chaos, to be able to choose to make the next wise decision the next wise decision, the next wise decision to string them together and be a people who could trust in the outcome. Well, Fellowship Mosaic tonight, amidst all the confusion and the swirling of our culture, could we commit to be a people who comes to the scripture asking God to show us what is the next wise decision he would lead us into so that we might be able to walk away with a clearer understanding of who we are and what he's called us to do. You know, as Doug teed up for us a few moments ago, this idea that we are in a, a relatively short series here at Mosaic that is anchored around a profound truth. And that truth is that God has done is doing and will do everything necessary to complete his mission to rescue, redeem, and restore. And I don't know about you, but the last several weeks as I've processed that truth in my prayer time or maybe on a run as I just sort of meditate on some of the passages that we've walked through, I find tremendous comfort in that reality. And so as we've looked at, at multiple facets of this truth through this series, tonight we're gonna have the incredible privilege to unpack the church's role in fulfilling God's mission. Tonight's topic is the mission of the church. And we're gonna come to a very familiar passage to many of you that have been around church for a while. But my hope is, whether this is the first time you're studying this passage in Matthew or the thousandth time, that the Holy Spirit will reveal new truth to you, a new approach to a familiar passage and give us fresh eyes to live this out in a very practical way. 
So if you've got your Bibles on a device or in your lap, go ahead and flip over to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Just to give you a little bit of context of what we're studying and what's taking place in this passage, Jesus Christ is on the tail end of a three-year public earthly ministry. So for three years, he's taught, he's healed, he's performed miracles, he's led, he spent time with a core group of leaders. On the heels of that, he's been crucified by the Roman government, was buried in a tomb, and now has risen from the grave. He's appeared to hundreds, even thousands of people, and he's giving his followers, his disciples, a set of clear instructions of what they're to do until he returns to this earth. And we have that conversation recorded for us. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all of authority in heaven and on earth. So let's press pause for just a second and unpack the reality of this verse. Jesus is boldly stating, I have been given all of authority in heaven and on earth. That's a pretty bold statement to make. I don't know how things are in your house, but chances are if I went home tonight and made that statement to my family, they'd laugh at me. I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. In fact, in our home, we a lot of times have arguments about who the boss is. You guys that way that are raising kids, our kids always wanna know, who's the boss? You're not the boss of me. They wanna know the sort of the, the pecking order. If mom and dad aren't home or we go out on a date, the question is, who's gonna be the boss? Who's in charge here? And as a dad, half the time, I kind of like to, to add fuel to that fire, and I constantly tell the girls, dad's the boss. And they're always going, no, mom's the boss. In fact, this past week, I had kind of a moment where it felt like a real win as a dad, where our four-year-old brought to me an iPad. We've got this 10-year-old iPad. The screen's all cracked. It's probably six operating systems behind. I mean, it's hanging on by its last leg. Lots of abuses occurred with this iPad. And my four-year-old, our daughter Hannah, brings it to me. And they're, they're in the middle of a dance party trying to watch a YouTube, vi YouTube kids video and it locks them out. And they're wanting to know what the code is to get back in. Honestly, we've had this thing 10 years. I have never entered a code to get into this iPad before. I don't know what setting happened or who set it or even what the code was, but I just started trying one. Apparently, the iPad had worked its way through the entire family. Nobody could get in. And somehow, I did something that unlocked this iPad. And Hannah, our four-year-old, looked at me and goes, Thanks, Dad. You really are the boss. <laughs> That's a pretty low bar. All it takes in our house is to get into a 10-year-old iPad, and you're the boss. Well, you know what? When Jesus says here, that all of authority has been granted to him, he's the only one capable of backing that statement up. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, fully God, fully man, capable of commanding storms to stop, capable of restoring sight to blind people, capable of healing sicknesses that have lasted a lifetime and capable of dying on a cross, being buried in the tomb and conquering death. So when he looks at his disciples and says, all of authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, they know that is a true statement. So in light of that, verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
Teach these new disciples all the commands I have given you. So in light of the fact that Jesus was and is and will always be who he said he was, he's instructing his disciples. Some of your Bibles will say, as you go, meaning as you go about life, for as long as you're breathing on planet Earth, I want you to focus on a very short list of items. Make disciples, baptize new believers, and teach people the things that I have taught you. And then there's this profound reminder that he gives his disciples in verse 20. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's as if Jesus is reminding his disciples, I'll be with you. You will not do this alone. And we know later on, as the New Testament goes along and we see the birth of the early church in the book of Acts, that Jesus keeps that promise by sending his followers his empowering presence through the Holy Spirit that are with them. You know, Fellowship Mosaic, as students of the Bible, I want us to make a few observations about this passage. First off, I want us to notice how Jesus here in just these three short verses, how he deals with realities in the past, the present, and the future. Notice the structure or the flow to this passage that's referred to as the Great Commission. That the Great Commission is built upon the foundation of what Jesus has done in the past. Which is really what proves that he alone has all authority granted to him. But this statement isn't just a statement about the past, of what Jesus has done in the past. The Great Commission also gives us clear instruction for the present. In verse 19, in light of who I am, I want you to baptize, excuse me, make disciples, baptize, and teach. Transfer everything that I have instructed to you to other people. You know, even in just seeing the, the breakdown of this passage of, of how it deals with what Jesus has done in the past and it deals with the, the present, in a few moments we'll see how it also deals with the future. This reality has deeply ministered to me the last few weeks, just kind of marinating or meditating on this passage and this progression of past, present, and future. And the reality is that most of us when we are consumed by fear and anxiety and struggling with things like depression, most of the time in the present, it's because we are being consumed by things of our past, reminded of past failures, reminded of past shortcomings, things that oftentimes are completely out of our control, but we're allowing the past, which we see here, Jesus alone, is capable of rescuing us from our past. We allow the things of the past to consume the present. Or another significant source of, of fear and anxiety can easily be the things into the future that we cannot control. And we allow it to consume the present. But here in the Great Commission, we're reminded that Jesus is Lord of past present, and future. And that anchor alone is capable to allow us to live fully in the present, obeying what he has instructed his followers to focus on above all else, making disciples, baptizing new believers, and teaching people the truth of God's word. But then we close out this section by being reminded in verse 20 that Jesus into the future will be with us through the end of the age. It's promising us that until Jesus returns, we can experience 
his empowering presence through the Holy Spirit. But you know, Fellowship Mosaic, the, the really kind of bizarre thing to me about the Great Commission is I was just thinking this week, if Jesus were to come back to preach this exact message, if, if it were announced that in Northwest Arkansas at the AMP, next weekend Jesus was gonna show up for one night only to teach through the Great Commission, there would likely be thousands and thousands of Christ followers that would show up just to hear him preach on this passage. And I'm willing to bet if we're using our imagination that Jesus would preach the greatest message we've ever heard on the Great Commission and likely people would stand to their feet in an ovation, applauding this incredible message. We would agree with it. We would say, yes, let's devote our lives to that. And yet, if the days to follow, if Jesus were to schedule coffee appointments, with each of us that were at the amp that night and sit across a coffee table and ask us, tell me how you're engaging and participating in the Great Commission. I'm scared to think that a lot of us would look at the floor in a sense of shame, <laughs> a sense of inadequacy. Yeah, Jesus, I really believe in this Great Commission and I gave you a standing ovation, but when you really ask me how I'm participating, the answer is not much at all. In fact, I've got a long list of, of excuses. <laughs> There's a lot that I don't understand. I'm not sure how to. I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that. And yet what we see in the early church as Jesus transfers this mission to his disciples, his disciples were not confused about these instructions. In fact, they obeyed them. Why was this command to make disciples so clear? Well, I believe it was because these were leaders who had been discipled by Jesus. It was as if Jesus was saying to them, you know everything I've been teaching over the past three years, and now I want you to go duplicate that. I want you to go share that with other people until I return. When Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples, they knew that he was telling them to go and fill the earth with people who could follow Jesus in faith and obedience just like he had shown them to. No mystery, no confusion. In fact, I love the description of Peter and John in Acts chapter four. I believe it's verse 13, where Peter and John are referred to as ordinary men who had been with Jesus. What an incredible reputation to have. Mosaic was an ordinary church filled with people who had been with Jesus and they were obedient to his instructions. Is that not compelling? Imagine being that type of church. You know, for the past several months, part of my personal quiet time, I sat down with the four gospels really looking at the leadership of Jesus, primarily through a, a leadership lens. And I just began to jot down every interaction that Jesus had with a group of people, with the question of what was Jesus primarily attempting to do in that moment? And I just began to write a list. And then I began to kind of put those lists into some categories to just get a, a, a more clear understanding of exactly what Jesus was focused on when over a three-year period of time he was investing into and making these disciples in such a way that they too could go and become men and women that reproduce their lives spiritually in the lives of others. 
And I noticed four habits or four characteristics that Jesus consistently did over that three-year period of time. Number one, the leadership of Jesus revealed the heart and the character of God the Father. You'll start to pick up on all these conversations that Jesus had where he was helping people have an accurate understanding of who their heavenly father was, how he acted, how he led, how he provided, his view of humanity, his love for them. So many conversations throughout the gospels were helping people who potentially had a faulty understanding of who God was and Jesus was revealing the heart of the father to them so that they could know him. But then secondly, A second characteristic or a habit of Jesus' leadership was he invested in the healing and the development of other people. And we're not just talking about physical healing, although he was capable of that, certainly. But Jesus' leadership, time and time again, was others-focused, was focused on meeting people where they were, providing spiritual and physical and emotional healing to their lives and then developing them and calling leadership out of them, giving them a new identity. But then thirdly, as we look at the way that Jesus discipled others, he was focused on establishing a culture of multiplication by producing and releasing leaders by making disciples. And it's, it's, it's staggering to me to see this in scripture, to see the way that Jesus, even though he was capable and, and at times taught to thousands of people, the vast majority of his leadership time, the vast majority of his leadership capacity was focused on a small group of men. And of that 12, there were even three or four that he spent the vast majority of his time Establishing a culture of multiplication. Explain to them that one day they would become pillars in the early church, responsible of making disciples, of producing and releasing other leaders. But then fourthly, Jesus was focused on doing everything for the glory of God. So in Matthew 28, When Jesus instructs his disciples to go and make disciples, there's no confusion. He had given them the perfect model. Let's look at Matthew 28 once again. Then Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, Mosaic, the Great Commission added to it the launch of the early church in the book of of Acts gives us a clear understanding of the mission of the church and the role that we are to play in the mission of God as he rescues, redeems, and restores human beings. You know, if I were to sum up the mission of the church in just two words, the two words that I would use are addition and multiplication. Addition being the fact that every single Christ follower is called, is encouraged, is invited to participate in identifying and developing the next disciple and the next disciple and the next disciple. And you string all of those together and you actually realize that you are a part of a multiplying movement that God is expanding to the ends of the earth and will do so until every tribe, tongue, nation 
is represented and is professing, is proclaiming Jesus as Lord. The mission of the church is focused on identifying and developing the next leader, the next leader, the next leader, as we participate in a multiplying movement of God. And it's the reason, Mosaic, that I'm so passionate and excited about the mission of Fellowship Mosaic, that we would exist to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. This mission is not only important for where we've been as a church and as a congregation, but it also serves as the mile marker for that next expression for where Mosaic is headed into the future. And it allows us to begin to dream about things like, what if God were to bring an additional 500,000 people to Northwest Arkansas over the next 15 years? What kind of opportunity would that provide us as a church to produce and release the next spiritual leader? What would it take for fellowship to move from a reproducing church with multiple congregations to become a multiplying church with unique released expressions flowing out of our five congregations? What would God want to accomplish in and through us as we obey the clear instructions of Scripture? You know, Mosaic, as we wrap up the message tonight, I want to leave you with a tool that has served us for several years. It's a central piece, really, in my own spiritual development on an annual basis. It's something that we refer to as a profile of a leader. And it's simply designed to be a tool to help our members understand what a spiritual leader looks like, who's fully devoted to Jesus Christ, a leader that is continually growing in our knowledge of who Jesus is, is always willing to develop and sharpen the skills necessary to be a follower of Jesus Christ, who's constantly allowing Jesus to refine our character, to knock off those rough edges, for, for will to daily go down, and for the leadership of Jesus to go up, but then also what does it look like to develop a vision for your life that is entrusted to you from Jesus Christ? What does it look like to allow your passion and vision to flow in and through who Jesus is in your life? Again, if you consider the way that Jesus modeled disciple making for his disciples, you begin to see that as he was revealing the heart and the character of God the Father, he was, he was transferring knowledge to his disciples, knowledge about who God was. You also see that as Jesus was, was healing and doing ministry, he was modeling the skills necessary to do life and ministry for his followers. As Jesus was establishing that culture of multiplication and setting up uh, opportunities to produce and release more leaders. He was showing his disciples what it looks like to be a servant leader, for their character to be shaped by Jesus. And then finally, we see how the, the driving passion in the life and the leadership of Jesus was providing glory to his heavenly father. And he models that for his disciples. And so I'd love to, to close out the, the message tonight, Mosaic, by just simply issuing some challenges to you. What does your personal spiritual growth plan look like? Could it be built around this profile of a leader? Have you ever thought about what it would look like over the next 12 to 18 months to allow Jesus to refine your leadership? to increase your knowledge of him, 
to sharpen some skill sets as you follow him, to grow in character that reflects him, and to allow Jesus to entrust to you a sense of personal sense of mission and vision, his view for your life in Northwest Arkansas. If you've never developed one of those before, I would love to grab lunch or coffee and sit down and walk through that process with you. We actually have a resource at the training center. It's called Leadership Lab that does just that. But then secondly, I challenge you to consider how are you participating in the mission of the church? What is your role in making disciples? And then finally, this final question is not so much a challenge as it is just a statement. How can we help you? The staff here at Fellowship Mosaic, we exist to serve you, for you to identify the unique reason that God has placed you in Northwest Arkansas. As you raise family and do friendships and do work, we want to serve you in identifying the unique platform that God wants to use your life to make disciples. Mosaic, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the the way your word brings such clarity to our lives. Lord, we don't have to wonder why we exist as a church. We don't have to wonder what are the things that please you, that bring you the most happiness. We don't have to wonder how to obey. God, thank you for the clarity of your word. Lord, thank you for your empowering presence in our life. As we start a new school year, as some of us ease back in to the office in person, as we approach this fall, Lord, we pray that your empowering presence would show us the next wise thing that we could do, the next wise decision, the next wise decision, and that, Lord, we could string those together as a church and be obedient to your mission. God, thank you for allowing us to participate. We respond with gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Will. Hey, as we wrap up, um, I was having a conversation with some guys, and and, um, you know how you put guys in a room where there's a marker board, something gets written or drawn. It's just how it happens. And as we left, the one thing that got left on that board, it takes a church to form disciples. When Jesus uh, came and began his earthly mission, he began it with the, with the vision of leaving something behind that could continue it. And that thing that he left behind was the church. And so we believe that for you to completely and fully live out God's mission for your life, you need to be connected with other believers in a church. And so we want to invite you to, to join with us in finding and, and developing God's mission uh, for us individually. So there's some ways I want you to, to point out that we can do that. First of all, uh, we have Discover Mosaic, which is going to start up in, in September. And in this, in this it's, it's a, a way to learn about our church and the ministries of the church, but it's also a way, kind of a first step in to get involved and connected with other people. So if you are new uh, or fairly new to our body and you want to say, how do I get deeper involved, more, more deeply involved in what's going on in Mosaic? Discover Mosaic might be a great way to place to start. And you can begin signing up on, uh, for that. And like I said, it'll launch in September. Also, uh, we have lots of opportunities to just to serve in, in ways that can be blessings to others. And we've talked to you about this in our children's ministry. We, uh, we always, one of the things we love about uh, Mosaic is we love kids, obviously, because we have a whole bunch of them. And, uh, and so we always have opportunities for you to step in and help disciple that next generation just by serving in that. If that's the thing that God has kind of given you a heart and a vision for, we'd love to talk to you more about that. 
And then we offer opportunities to grow in that knowledge and even that skill area, and in particular, uh, different studies or things that we do along that line. And our, we have some women's studies that are launching this fall. And if you want to know more about those, uh, you can check those out. There are several different studies that are going to be happening at several different times, and you can jump into that. Those are just some of the ways. Let me just say, if you want to know more, just go to our Mo News website. If you'll go there, then everything that's going on or links to everything that's going on, you can find them there. So let me invite you uh, to consider doing that, okay? Because it takes a church to form disciples. Would you stand with me? And let's read the Lord's Prayer together for our benediction. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you. Have a good weekend.